faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from 1 John chapter 3 verses 18 and 19 and 23 through 24. Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will assure our hearts before him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. This is God's word to God's people.
We come to the end today of our sermon series on, on biblical understandings of life abundant. We began in the new year thinking that uh, perhaps we wanted to have a, a resolution, spiritually grounded resolution about our lives and uh, thinking that, yes, let's see if we can't resolve to, to be the best that we can be. A tall order, for sure, and for those of us who are um, compulsively at it, maybe a tough order, right? But perhaps the grace of God has been a part of this sermon series, and, and we have been able to think along with how it might be that God would be nudging us to become our better selves. We began by saying that it's all kind of grounded in a vision that we would have about ourselves. What would our better selves look like? And how it might look differently to um, those among us because we have different skill sets. We come perhaps out of a different background, um, different passions about things. So the vision might not be uniform as much as just a uniformity of goodness about it. That would be God's desire for us. And so we are challenged as we began this series to think about what would it look like for me to be my best self? 
what would God intend for me? And I hope that you did some struggling with that and identified some things because we, we then moved from that and, and lifted up some resources that, that we thought were key in helping us live into that vision, to become that vision. And the first one had to do with our devotional life, harnessing our spirituality in the effort to become that, um, being intentional about trying to bring the power of our soul to bear upon our efforts of who we want to be. We talked about how important learning was to the whole process, that we needed to, to keep our brains sharp. We needed to be lifelong learners so that we could uh, be better equipped to become this better self. We talked about the importance of our health, how the body is the temple of the spirit. So our diligence for diet and exercise so that we could be as healthy as we could be would be important for us living into that vision of ourselves. And today we talk about the importance of relationships, of love, of loving for us to become our best selves. So how important do you think our love relationships are? Michael Slaughter brings to mind how he thinks that crises of sickness and death, they become an ultimate reminder for us of life's true meanings. Have you discovered that in your life? I remember when I had my exploratory surgery and lived through it and thought how lucky I was to still be alive, how my relationships, my perception even of creation changed and became much more vivid and more important. You might have had experiences like that for yourself. Crises like that bring into relief the importance of love and relationships. Maurice and family are grieving the loss of their home and all of that, especially a Corvette. How could you part with that? <laughs> Yet as he looks at his life, forgive me for sharing personally about yourself, he feels so blessed to be alive, to have his loved ones still with him, and that that is really what's most important. Life stops it seems, for sicknesses and traumas and death and helps us to recognize that these things of love and relationship are more important than our busyness, our projects. And as task-orientated as you might have already discovered I am with my day and with my life, even I realize this, that people matter more than things and projects and tasks. I still grieve the passing of my parents. I think about them now and again as I have photographs right on my dresser to remind me. And I think most all of us feel a, a sadness in the passing of a loved one that awakens us to the importance of that loved one for us. How fortunate for those of us who have been able to love and express that love 
to our loved ones while they are with us. The greatest joy in your life, was it when you got the boat, got the new car, got the house? Or was it when you got married and you felt that someone really loved you? Or was it when you had your kids or saw the grandkids? Perhaps when a loved one of yours has succeeded at something that's uh, crucially important for them. I have found that these are the high moments of my life. There's a great saying that goes, uh, when you die, you will not regret that you did not empty your inbox or cross off another task on the to-do list. Those won't be your great regrets. Your regrets will be that you'll not have another chance for a hug or to steal a kiss or to have a glance. I think there's truth in that that's important for us to pause and take in and remind ourselves about. That the blossoming into our best selves will have a lot to do with the depth of our relationships and the love that we can give and that we can receive. Now, I think God is behind all of this, and so instead of a self-help sermon, this really is actually a biblically-based, theologically-grounded sermon. I think this is God's doing from the get-go. God's intentions for us was that we would be social creatures, that we would relate and want to relate back to God and to one another. We are social creatures created by a social God. You've heard Rachel in her prayers mention, what is it, God in? God in community, holy in one. Marvelous, marvelous turn of phrase that, that lifts up the, the unity of our monotheism of God, but also understands our Trinitarian uh, claim that we experience God in these variety of ways, that God is in community. God is in relationship with God's self. God is a social being, spiritually social being, you would say, and has created us in God's image to be social creatures as well, driven to relate to him, to want to, and to one another. We see this importance of love and relationship in our theology. <clears throat> we see it mentioned right at the start of our scriptures in the Genesis story of creation. How God is thought to have created us for one another, the scripture writes. Didn't create us to be separates, but rather to be in relationship with one another. And the second sin we think of is our sin against each other, our killing of our brother. We are to be our brother, we are to be our sister's keeper, 
We're to be in relationship with one another, one that is uplifting and nurturing and not destructive and damaging. We Christians celebrate the Incarnation, and that is a marvelous, uh, a marvelous concept that shows the distance to which God will go to try to draw us into a better relationship with God's self. The meeting of the divine and human in this life of Christ. And as Jesus is up on the cross, he is going through the horrors of of this passage of his life. And in the midst of that, it is remembered that he looked down to his mom and to one of his faithful disciples, John, and said, help each other, love each other. And I take that as a very concrete thing of of John being tasked with caring for Mary, but I also take it as a, a much broader statement on Jesus's part that we are to care for one another, particularly through the perceived traumas of our lives. When asked what is the core of Wesleyan theology, Professor Clayton writes, it is the understanding of God's grace of God's love. Now, I don't know if you want to dispute that or not. I, I know that a lot of right-thinking orthodoxy is important. We want to get straight what we're claiming about who God is, who creature is, how things are supposed to happen. There's, there's some wisdom in tussling out what's right or what seems to be wrong with statements of faith or ethical behaviors, how we relate to one another. But apparently if we dig in deep to what animated the passion of our forebear in this denomination the most, it was that deep understanding of the power of God's love of grace. And that is in our DNA as a denomination. It should be in our DNA as a congregation. And it ought to be in the forefront of our minds as we try to live our lives and become the best people we can be. That what's most important is not to argue over virgin birth What's most important is to find out how to love somebody, to give love and to receive love genuinely. And I say this in all candidness because I know how hard that is for us, apparently. We hurt the ones we love the most, it seems, doesn't it? The circle around us, the people we have said, I love you, I will bond my life with you. We get off the phone, love you. Isn't it a shame that we seem to hurt 
those in that inner circle of relationship the most. Why is that? What's the deal? The person who's loving you the most, why are you hurting that person? Why do we do it? I don't know. Is it our sin? Our condition? Our selfishness? How does that happen? It's not God's intention. God's intention is that we would do that a little bit better. That we would learn to love God and to love neighbor as best as we can. So, when we aspire to be as fully alive and spirited by God into the kind of person that we think God would want us to be, we are helped in that by one another and the ability of one another to love us, maybe to cut us some slack, to extend some grace. The privilege of love, well, it's the greatest thing in the world, isn't it? But it carries a responsibility. The privilege of love carries a responsibility of holding somebody else's heart. Caring for somebody's heart, nurturing somebody's becoming. And we can see how important that is, really, how truthful what I said is from the from birth through nursery school, through retirement and hospice care. All of these moments of our life, we can see if we are in relationship with somebody, we have the job, we have the privilege, we have the responsibility of holding their heart tenderly. How rough it is for those new parents to let their kids go to nursery school and, and let them out of reach. I don't know how many tearful moments happened in the nursery school that first day. And when we're asked to let go of our loved one at the doorway of death, how precious those moments are of expressing love, of receiving unconditional love. It's important that we care well for one another, that we tend our relationships, nurture them so that they grow and they blossom rather than withering and fading. Paying attention and emotionally investing in our relationships are crucial for life abundant for us becoming our best selves. And so family is probably priority one for us, right? Because they're the most immediate around our heart. They're the ones that have led us in the closest. 
family is probably that first circle of being loved and expressing love. But Jesus wasn't satisfied with that, and he, he expects us to love our neighbors. as we would love ourselves. And that is a, a challenge, but it's one that we're called to live into if we want to call ourselves Christians. And loving your neighbor can be a, a challenge. It can be I think Jesus is seeking a way to knit together a new creation with this call to love your neighbor. Somehow this world is going to be different than it is in Venezuela right now or than it is in Washington right now or than it is in China right now. Jesus' aspiration for us is something different than that. And how is it that we will be able to love those neighbors so far afield if we haven't learned how to love our neighbor right next door? And so maybe the second circle of relationship and love is one another here in arm's reach, outside of the circle of family, but still within reach of your heart and your hand and in the practice of caring, loving neighbor, we learn how to love those neighbors that are even farther afield. Well, Rachel and I are hoping the very best for all of you. We want you to become your very best. And we've confessed to you that we're not exactly sure what that looks like, specifically for each one of you. But we think it has a whole lot to do with the vision God gives you of who you are to be and the things that happen to you when you bring to bear lifelong learning, health, relationships. When you bring these things to bear on your life. So as you leave today, I invite you to think of the importance of these relationships of your love as it stretches and grows you and helps others to grow and stretch and to resolve that you will handle each other with care. Amen.